Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Having somebody that's been there and done it, whether it's a podcast, whether it's that first deal, whatever it may be, that just elevates your confidence from saying, okay, instead of doing the 15 unit, now I can do a 25 unit. No, we can do a $20 million project. That's a massive jump. I think it's because of mentors. Welcome to the best ever show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. We don't like that fluffy stuff. Only the real hard hitting stuff with us today to talk about that is Whitney Sewell. How you doing, Whitney? I am very blessed, Joe. Grateful to be here. Well, I am glad that you're here. This is Whitney's first time on the show, and I would venture to say that it's also a record for the show that he has hosted this show one time at least. Was it just one time, Whitney? It was. He hosted the show one time, episode 1690. The show title is what are the challenges you face starting your syndication journey? So he has been a host of this show, but yet he has never been interviewed to be a guest on the show. So today we're turning the table and Whitney will be an interview guest. 
we had a guest host back then. So now approximately 1,000 days later, you will be a guest. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I've known Whitney for many years. I don't know, Whitney, do you know how many, like six, seven, something like that, five? Yeah, at least five or six years. Five or six years. And he's a great person. And let me tell you a little bit more about him. CEO and founder of LifeBridge Capital. They've got $345 million worth of apartment communities that they syndicate. They just closed their first fund. He's also got a daily podcast, his own podcast, The Real Estate Syndication Show, based in Roanoke, Virginia. With that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Of course, Joe. Background, I, I March 2001, joined the military, had no idea. Shortly after, I would be going to Iraq and spending a year in combat. Unfortunately, not everyone in my squad made it home. So obviously, just lots of lessons there learned. One thing the military, I think, taught me was to have a never give up mentality. It's just not an option to give up when you're in combat. Other people are depending on you. But I came home, thank the Lord, and tried to figure out what I was going to do for a career Policing seemed like a great transition for me, and I was hired by Kentucky State Police. 1,200 applicants, five positions. I loved working the road as a police officer, loved the service, the discipline, the uniform, uh, all those things. However, got married, and then my wife and I just passed each other in the hallway the first whole year of marriage and quickly discovered it's going to be hard to support a family on 28000 roughly a year, plus just working all the overtime possibly could to get over to thirty three, thirty four thousand. So there has to be something different that we can do to supplement our income. I wasn't exposed to real estate at this time or before this, but I read that purple book amongst many others that exposed my thinking to what's possible and really that so many people have built wealth in real estate. And I thought, okay, if all of these people can do it, I can do something. So right away, Chelsea and I, we jumped in and started trying to learn about real estate. This was 2008, 2009 now, and bought two triplexes made a ton of mistakes, self-managing, and learned a lot the hard way. Newly married, we like to just make things as crazy as possible. We also bought our first house, remodeling it while living in it, still working the crazy schedule. It was quite stressful on a new marriage. Thank the Lord we're still married today, but it was a lot of stress. So I kept seeking, though, a way to increase my income, became a federal agent, moved to Virginia, where we live now, that was a real blessing for us. Better hours, better income, all those things. But still pursuing real estate, bought a 15-unit complex with a partner at this time, still learned a lot the hard way, and I really thought that it was so much bigger than I ever imagined, Joe, even at 15 units. But I also took the next step most people take, I think. I'm not sure if you took this, Joe, becoming a successful in real estate. I became a professional horse trainer. That so, <laughs> was just a passion of mine I had since I was a little boy that it became a second full-time job and then some. So grew in that and started making good money doing that. But there was a major turning point a few years into that where my wife and I were walking on the beach and we just asked ourselves an important question, Joe. We said, ultimately, is what we're doing right now going to get us where we want to go five years from now or even 10 years from now? And the obvious answer at that time was absolutely not. So this was September timeframe. And then We came home and sold our farm. We decided if we're ever going to do this, now's the time. We put the farm on the market and we're moving out right after Christmas. And that's actually the same time you and I met as well. And I'd learned about syndication. I'd started to learn about this thing, commercial real estate, and that it wasn't just for those that had been in the business 20, 30 years like I thought. 
I never imagined being able to buy a hundred unit complex or $10 million building. That just did not seem possible for me. But once again, started going to conferences, started meeting people who were doing it. And my eyes were exposed again to if all of these people can do this, I can do that too. I can figure this out, learned and really just a scalable business model that seemed doable. It seemed possible for me then. But selling the farm was a massive commitment for us as well. I think that was crucial just to be all in as well. Another thing is, I know you know, Joe, but is our big mission, our big why at this time, we were pursuing our third adoption process. And when we learned about adoption many years ago, we learned just about the need and the cost and all those things that hinder so many families. And it pushed us to start a foundation that helps families adopt children. So that was a big mission behind LifeBridge Capital. But I would say too, that during those times when it was really difficult getting the business started, that was a mission for my wife as well. She couldn't care less about real estate, but she was 110% into supporting our mission. Shortly after the podcast came along and Daily Show, which you mentioned, 1,400 roughly shows now, met my business partner, Sam Rust, and he had more deal flow. I had more capital and we really took off once we were able to meet. And now it's multifamily, all value add typically type projects in Colorado and Idaho and about 350 million in assets. When people hear 1400 episodes, that's probably impressive, but I want to be clear about 1400 episodes, divide that by 365. That's 3.8 years, almost four years that you've been doing a daily show, is that five days a week or seven? Seven. Seven. So yes, I did the math right. So it's almost four years that you've been doing a daily show. So every single day for almost the last four years, there has been a episode published. What has been the main benefit of doing that? And then what's been a downside of doing that? One of the main benefits... There's so many that have come from the daily podcast, and I glossed over that a little bit a minute ago, but if I had to pick one, I would say personal development because it's almost infinite returns, right? It was just the personal development, how that changes so many things, but man, I never imagined ever speaking, hardly ever into a microphone, started a podcast, and then uh, speaking on stages, I just never imagined being on in front of so many people and the learning, the building the teams and hiring people that it pushed me to do. So, so many things, but that's one of the main benefits. But I would say the next bigger benefit too would be the network, growing the network, meeting so many great people in our industry and learning from them at the same time, being able to ask all those questions that we have. One of the big downsides of doing a daily podcast, which you know so well, is the time commitment. I was still working full-time, believe it or not. I was off work from my federal position every other Monday. And our team knew, hey, you better have 12 to 15 interviews scheduled that day two days a month. And so my wife would call it my marathon day. It was just hard as I could go nonstop. Literally, she would pack my lunch to go to the basement. It's just madness, right? But that level of time commitment, and I think I underestimated even the commitment it took for my family to pull that off also for my wife mm-hmm. and kids being gone that much. Mm-hmm. I'm nodding my head because I know your feeling and I know what you mean from all those friends. I want to go back to the question that you and your wife asked when you're walking on the beach that changed the direction and the trajectory of your career, you two asked, well, what we're doing now, get us where we want to go. And I think you said, absolutely not. Or I think I remember you saying something that's definitively no. And that piques my interest because I heard what your background is and you had bought two triplexes 
and you also had just closed on a 15 unit with a partner. So why wouldn't that momentum, if you go from two triplexes to a 15 unit, and then you do well on the 15 unit, you 1031 that into a 30 unit or a 45 unit or 60 unit and just keep going in, why wouldn't that get you where you want to go? It's a good question. It does get some people maybe where they want to go. It was not going to scale fast enough for us. But another part of that, though, the horse training business was never going to create the wealth that we had wanted or for our children or to be able to help enough people as well. So while that was going pretty well, I had to cut that off completely. I knew it was never going to be passive. Those people wanted me to be the one to train their horses or me to be the one to hold the clinic or whatever that may be. It doesn't mean I can't ever ride horses again, but at least for a period of time, I've got to cut that off. So I still do the federal agent position and still support the family. The kids still have to eat, but still have the time to push into syndication. But when I started learning about syndication, Joe, it was like, okay, when I can buy a $30 million project, I can help, obviously, lots of investors. I can help that many more families through the foundation because it's such a bigger deal. There's so much more income. There's so much more capital. Obviously, it's a lot more work, I would say, as well. But we can move so much faster and help so many more people. And I think almost the same amount of time as it would take to buy another 15 unit or even to buy the next 30 unit, we could have bought 100 unit or 150 unit. Having that greater purpose, that's That's the key. It's about the one quote, help enough people get everything they want and you'll get everything you want. Perhaps that might be too capitalistic for your example, but it's a close cousin to the concept that you're talking about. For sure. So let's talk about your business. We heard a 15 unit and two triplexes, but yet I introduced you having 345 million assets under management. What was the tipping point for that? Tipping point was definitely meeting my business partner, Sam Rust. Why? Complimentary skill sets. Ultimately, he had deal flow. I'd been networking and meeting investors as hard as I could go for a good while at that point. It allowed our first deal to be $20 million together. Where did you meet him and what was your previous deal before that $20 million deal? Yeah. So the previous deal before that would have been the 15 unit. And then I partnered with you on a couple of projects as well, which was crucial in just launching and getting started. No doubt about it. And then shortly after that, Sam and I met actually at the Best Ever Conference. So at your conference, we met. We were just at dinner one night, heard him share about his family, his faith, what he had done in business, even a smaller deal that he had already syndicated. I could tell he was very gung-ho and was somebody that I could connect with. And we actually talked a few times, but then the last night of the conference, I just pulled him aside and said, hey, Sam, my wife and I have been praying for a business partner for a long time. You seem to fit the bill. I'd love to get to know you better, ultimately. I make it very clear. It doesn't mean we're going to partner, but I want to get to know you. And he was excited. Mm-hmm. This is like 1030 at night now, the last night. And he took me to the airport and took me by his house as well. So I met his wife that night at like 11 or 12 o'clock. And uh, actually she had homemade bread and coffee there when I got there. And so I knew. Oh my. <laughs> That's amazing. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Everyone is looking for a recession resilient investment. How can you try to prevent from losing money by picking the wrong fund and sponsor? Right now, you can get Reliant Real Estate Management's free guide, 10 Things to Consider in a Real Estate Investment Fund, by visiting besteverreliant.com. Answer questions like, is the organization's focus on you? And does the fund keep employees? Reliant Real Estate Management is ranked one of the top 20 largest self-storage operators in the country with 1.5 
$1 billion in self-storage assets. After completing three funds and selling 38 properties with $0 of investor principal loss, they have an average project-level IRR of 33% in just over 3.5 years. Visit besteverreliant.com right now to receive the 10 things to consider in a real estate investment fund and get access to the latest investment opportunities. That's besteverreliant.com, B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R-R-E-L-I-A-N-T.com. What did you put on the line for that $20 million deal? What were you risking? It's a good question. For that $20 million project for us, the risk was all the work we had put in up to that point, the network that we had created, just the time spent, the podcast, all this stuff that we had been working so hard on, man, now it's our time to see what we can do, right? Can we actually do it? So obviously, Sam and I both had earnest money in and those things, but- How much? Do you remember? I don't remember exactly. I don't know. If About I'm, a couple hundred thousand? Probably a, at least a hundred to 200,000, I would okay. imagine. And I imagine it was non-refundable. Right. So you had a hundred to 200,000 approximately non-refundable. And were you in a position to lose that should the deal not happen? No way. No way. There were months, Joe, that I didn't even know if we were going to have the capital to keep producing the podcast much less lose that kind of capital on that first deal. So what gave you the faith to put that non-refundable money down and to buy a $20 million project when you hadn't done that before to that level? One, I think education, mentorships, obviously with you as well, Joe, during that time. And now it was just people that surrounded us. Sam's ability to underwrite deals and both of us coming together with our skill sets to look at this deal and ensure that this is a good deal in this market. We love the market. We love just the dynamics of this deal. We knew that there was tons of room for growth. There There were numerous things around that value add plan, of course, but that was it. Since that first $20 million deal to today, what has not gone right? I would say the time commitment for one, as far as just the time away from family and children for two and a half years or so, I was more than I expected potentially, but I was willing to keep pushing through to do that. Uh, Deal-wise, I would say probably that project, we should have raised more money for CapEx. It would be a learning curve there. Believe it or not, the deal just went under contract to sale. So that project just went under contract yesterday or today. So it's gone really well. The Lord's been really kind. However, we did learn a lot through that project. And that's probably one of the bigger things that didn't go well. We should have raised more money. It's just meant later in that business plan, Sam and I both have put money into that deal to finish some CapEx or something like that. Mm -hmm. As far as the time away from family and children, it's a trade-off. I imagine you think of it similarly where I put in a lot of time now for even more time with family later because I'm building something that is scalable and I can eventually step back from at least a little bit from relative to where I'm at now. But knowing what you know now with the time commitment involved, would you do it again? I would. I would do it again in a heartbeat. If I knew then what I know now, yes, by far. I have more freedom now than I've ever had in my life, as much as I want to build into my own schedule. So it's just been a major life change because of the commitment. So I think that's a part where a lot of real estate entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in general can get tripped up. And that is the 
consistent commitment daily over an extended period of time. We just talked about your daily podcast is approaching four years now, and you were going into the basement with a sack lunch to do 12 to 15 interviews on your day off from your full-time job. And that's quite a commitment. At what point, if any, did you think, let's just scale this back a little bit and let's pump the brakes some and let's get some sanity here? I don't think I could allow myself to think that way and <laughs> keep going. Why? <laughs> it would have been too easy to quit, I think, if I had been thinking that way. I had a team behind me, I had family behind me. We had a, a mission that was bigger than us. There's so many things that I look back and I think some of that was purposeful, some of it was not, but I was thankful that there was all of that driving us. So built a system as well. I knew if I had produced a weekly show, Joe, I would have said, you know what? I can save the money. I can learn how to edit the audio and video and all these things. I'll find the guests and I'll write the intros. I can figure it out. I'll do it. But I know that I would have gotten behind. I would have probably quit then because mm -hmm. I could not have kept up. But because mm -hmm. I call it overcommitting, because I overcommitted in a big way, I had to figure out a new way to operate. And I had to figure out a new way, which was hiring people and creating systems that I had never done before. So I think a lot of that even pushed me to keep going. They had people lined up, right? I had to keep going. These people are depending on me to be there. But not only that, my family could depend on me to keep going. These people that we're helping now through the foundation, you know, they didn't know it yet, but they were depending on us as well. So that's a lot of what kept us going. What's the challenge for you right now in your business? learning to manage quick growth, fast team growth. So, so we're hiring great people. I think one challenge right now is the culture and the ensuring we're creating great culture and communication and things like that amongst a fast growing team. What have you been doing to remedy that? One thing is learning more about the EOS system or traction entrepreneur system. I'm sure many have heard of, but for us, it's been implementing specific types of meetings. And so we do a thing called a daily huddle. It's called a daily huddle, but we do it three days a week. And it's really quick. Every team member's on there. We all say a success. We all say something we're focused on that day. And we say if there's anywhere that we're stuck. So that helps me as a leader to see, okay, what's everybody's focus? What is anyone stuck on? And then immediately too, I can say, okay, this team member, that team member, hang on here for just a minute after the meeting and let's discuss that thing. Or I know this thing's coming up that we need to discuss, or maybe they're focused on something that I didn't know they were focused on and I need to help redirect their focus. Right? So that's been very helpful. We've also started L10s recently or level 10 meetings. It's in an effort to help everyone operate at a level 10. And that's a learning process in itself. We're all virtual, but it's helped us to see each other more, helped us to know more about what everyone does, what everyone's working on. So it's just encouraged a lot of communication. However, they're very structured. There is an agenda. And the meeting schedule for an L10 may be an hour and a half, but if we're done in 30 minutes, we're done. We're moving on to something else. So it's we're in, we're out, but it does provide a great way for us to communicate. High level, how do you structure an L10 meeting? So we'll start off with five minutes of successes. What are successes anyone's experienced over the last seven days? And that could be personally or professionally. We'll talk about some numbers that we're tracking or where different people are at and really more organizational level, maybe investor relations or maybe calls that have been made or on the marketing side, how many podcasts were done or, or how many deals were underwritten, those things. Are we hitting those benchmarks? And then we'll talk about rocks. Rocks are actually 90-day goals. And we'll try to figure out where's each team member at on their rocks. And we're just moving into a phase now where we're going to encourage team members have 
three personal and three professional rocks. And so we'll talk about those during the meeting as well, or if anybody's stuck on the rocks or they're behind, we track those. And then we'll have what's called an IDS time, identify, discuss, and solve issues. So people bring up issues, preferably they've emailed it to me or whatever before the meeting or the day before, and then we'll prioritize those. We'll try to talk through issues that the team member is having as a team as well. Oftentimes an issue that someone's having may involve numerous team members. So that's helpful at that moment. And that team member leads that discussion around that issue that they're experiencing. And then we move to a time to do. So what came out of that meeting? What came out of the issue solving time? What needs to happen between now and the next L10? So over the next seven days, if Joe, you need to do this. Hey, Amy, you need to do this. And I'll go back over those. I'll make notes of those as we're going. So I'll conclude the meeting. Hey, this is what we're going to try to accomplish over the next seven days. Here you go. Have a great day. See you at the huddle tomorrow. And then we move forward. Taking a step back, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Must have a great mentor in numerous, (laughs) most likely. (laughs) Have a great mentor to bypass failings, right? Have somebody that's been there and done it. I think that is just crucial in speeding up your process, but also just your confidence level. I think that was crucial for me and with you, Joe. Having somebody that's been there and done it, whether it's a podcast, whether it's that first deal, whatever it may be, that just elevates your confidence from saying, okay, instead of doing the 15 unit, now I can do a 25 unit. No, we can do a $20 million project. That's a massive jump. I think it's because of mentors. Been there, done that, and actively doing it and knows how to teach how to do it. Remember Tim Ferriss talks about that a lot where he interviews high performers. And it's one thing if a high performer is just a stud, but it's another if they can communicate how they became that good at something and then teach others. So it's a different skill set. And I by no means am promoting my consulting program. It's not something I'm actively looking to grow anymore. Um, so this is really about the importance of finding someone or or a group that can help all of us get to another level. I personally am in a group, a mastermind to help me professionally and personally do that. And Whitney's in at least one group I know of uh, mine, and there's many other ones. I remember Tony Robbins talks about where the expectations of our peer groups, and he used an example, actually it was a military example, uh, someone in, I think it was a Marine was saying, why do some of my fellow Marines, when they get out, they excel and others do not? And he said, one reason is because when you're in the Marines or in the Army, you're around people who are performing at an incredibly high level. So it elevates the group. But then when you get out of that environment, you've got to either do it yourself or find others who are similar to that. And it helps you continue to stay at that level. So surrounding yourself with a peer group who has high expectations is instrumental in being successful in any business, let alone real estate. We're doing a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. Best ever deal you've done. Our second syndication. 216 units, Colorado Springs, value add, sold it in 18 months, 2x investor returns. What made that deal perform that way? Market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A lot of the just market dynamics, no but doubt. market? Colorado Springs. What deal if you lost the most amount of money on and how much? It would be those triplexes that I talked about, the first ones that we purchased. And I would say instead of a dollar amount, it would be 
the brain damage, really the time lost from my bride, right? Newly married and all the stress that was related to those projects, that time lost with her, I think was the most valuable thing that was lost on a deal so far. I get that and totally understand, but how much money was lost on those deals? Just so we have enough. On that project, probably 30 to 40,000 on the triplex. Best ever way you like to give back to the community? Through our foundation called the Omna Foundation, we help families with the financial burden of adoption. It can cost 40 to 60 grand, unfortunately, to bring a child home through adoption. A lot of families say, hey, Whitney, that's more than I make in a year. How can we do that? And so we partner with them with large grants. And how can the best of listeners learn more about what you're doing? LifeBridgeCapital.com. Whitney, enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for talking about your journey, what's worked, what hasn't worked, current challenge, and how you're implementing the structure with the remote team, which is incredibly challenging and some tactical things that you're doing to help with that. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day and talk to you again soon. My pleasure, Joe. Thank you.